Hey guys, this episode is brought to you by Sinusoid. That's all you need to know. You know what the deal is. You've listened to this show before. Sinusoid Pro Audio Couture makes possibly the best cables that you can buy. The best cables I can think of. I don't know anyone better. I actually need to do a video review of some cables I got from them. I got those those uh, those custom cables with the the striped TechFlex on them. Oh yeah, I've really been loving them. <laughs> like I really really like the TechFlex as a concept. I always looked at them and was like, ah, I don't know if I'm into that. But now that I have them, I want all my cables to have that on there. And they look really freaking cool. That like black and white stripe. I'm a big fan of it. I like the t- what I it's, like about it's the classy. What I like about the TechFlex is that it doesn't like stick to itself. It slides all over the place. So it's like you've right. got a, like a, this live snake following you around on stage, like slithering all over the place. This doesn't strike me as a selling point. I like it. I like feeling like there's a snake crawling around behind me. Sinusoid cables. They make cables and smiles. Then uh, their snakes make you think there's a, a snake behind you. Did I say that right? Their cables make you think there's a snake behind you. Steve is silently shaking his head. I would ask you to record this again, but we're way too deep. Sinusoid cables. They make cables and smiles, and their cables will make you think there's a snake behind you. That wasn't any better. Let's just get on with the show. (laughs) Hey, this is Ryan. And this is Steve, and you are listening to CC Cycle Hum, the guitar, buying, selling, trading, modding, fixing, breaking, reviewing, playing, destroying, other things, podcast. Hey, that one was pretty good. It felt like you uh, intentionally deviated on it. I, I did. Intentional deviation, uh, Steve. I'm a r- regular deviant over here. You're a regular deviator. I'm a professional deviant. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm drinking an Oktoberfest beer here, a Polliner. Technically, I am too, but I'm also drinking Opa. From formerly Ballast Point uh, Spirits, now Cutwater Spirits. Yeah, I got that bottle of Opa at a garage sale. Dude, Opa. <laughs> so, oh, this this uh, Opa, uh, if you guys can find it, I will say this. If you guys are like, yeah. It's like a better Jaeger. Yeah, exactly. If you're like, I like Jaeger, but sometimes it takes, tastes too much like I'm uh, taking medicine, Opa is where it's at. I got a big freaking bottle of this stuff, too. Dude. It was unopened at a garage sale. I, I remember when you bought that, and you—I I feel like when you had when you bought it, did you know what, exactly what it was? I had a feeling. I, I knew it was. I'm obviously familiar with Ballast Point, right? And that they're they're distilling operations. I don't really want, let's let's I, let's let's refer to them as ba- formerly Ballast Point, formerly Ballast because yeah. I don't want to promote Ballast Point on this show. Okay. Uh, so, anyways, I was at this <laughs> garage sale. Yeah. And it was sitting out on like a counter, and I was like, "Are the garage sale people going to drink this? Is this or like their party garage sale?" And I pick up the bottle and I look at the person at the register, and I'm like, "Or the register, the money box, or whatever." I'm like, right. "How much?" And she looks back at me, and she was like, three dollars." And I, I looked back at her. It was a friend's garage sale, like a friend of my sister's. Oh, okay. And I was like, "No, that's too low. Uh, I'll give you ten dollars." And she's like, "Oh, okay." Big spender. It's like a it's like a twenty thirty dollar bottle of booze or yeah. something, and it was yeah. like a garage sale to like uh, to fund a uh, a trip down to Mexico to like teach like 
not Mexico, down to Peru. Peru. Oh yeah, to, to, to teach underprivileged uh, women. I to, saw that. To docu- surf. I saw like, that documentary. It was really cool. Young, the, the little five minute thing they did. Yeah, I, I, I put that together. I know that little edit. Yeah, good job. Don't don't anyone ask me to do this, but my sister and her friends um, sent me all their iPhone footage. And I recorded a voiceover for them. I had one of the girls come over and like right. I recorded her talking and I edited together like a whole little mini doc for their thing after the fact. I remember when you got this, you took a picture of it. I guess that was I guess I can count that bottle of Opa as part of my payment. Right. <laughs> and I remember messaging you like, dude, like I don't know if you've had that before, but if you don't want it, I'll take it off your hands. <laughs> because I'm, a, I'm like a Jaeger fiend. I'm not a big Jaeger guy, but every now and then the thing is I bought it back in the spring. I've been waiting for winter. Oh, uh, okay. It's a winter drink, you know? Yeah, that's kinda, fair. Kind of warm, kind of uh kind of licorice, you know. Well, it's like so drink it around the Christmas tree. Back at Cowerfest last year, so Cowerfest 2016, uh, listener of the show Co got me hooked on Negronis. So now, like anytime I go, what's a Grony? Negroni. Oh, okay. The drink, Negroni. Yeah. So anytime, like I'm at a place that actually does them, I forget what all is in them, but like I feel like uh, Jaeger, Opa, like the the very herbal. Um liqueurs are kind of in that same ballpark yeah not not they're not the same like they're very different but in terms of like just being like a bitter like a bitter pill that you want to swallow yeah yeah like they kind of fit in that category all right, let's get into our regular content because this is done. Ryan, what's new? Uh, we finally picked a date and a location for our 200th episode party. Oh, is that the what's new we're going to talk about? Yeah, well, might as well. All right, yeah, guys, if you are in the area on the weekend. The of, area being San Diego. Yeah, November 18th uh, from 1 to 4 p.m., we are going to be hosting our own 200th episode throwdown showdown party. Yeah. Um at Tiger Tiger, located in uh, Central San Diego, kind of North Park uh, area, the North Park area. It's a it's a gastro pub, I guess. Technically, is what you would refer to it as. Basically, yeah. they have a huge uh, selection of beers. Probably like I say, huge. Um, I don't know. Would you figure twenty, thirty beers on tap at any given time? Easily, easily. Uh, they've got some wine there. If that's not your speed, I don't think they have anything else. They got a lot of hipster food. It's all yeah. very good. Uh, it's all delicious, but it is hipster food. So it's like, yeah, it's poutine, but it's like, it's like red, red potatoes, and the gravy was sourced from locally slaughtered <laughs> swine. I'll, I, I'll dog on hipsters with everyone else. I'll say that hipsters like good stuff, though. Dude, hipsters have the best taste in food. I just wish I could afford it. <laughs> um, uh, I'll say that they're. Tiger Tigers, their fries to go for. Because like so many hipster places, they have the truffle fries or whatever. Oh, yeah. The fries to get are the curry fries. Mm. The curry fries are freaking really awesome there. So, yeah, we're going to be doing this thing from one to four. In the middle of it, we're going to record our 200th episode. Uh, At some point, we're going to be opening up a public Google Drive for people who are coming to the show to drop ads into so they can talk about the ads that they want to talk about. No, no, no. You got this backwards. Do I got this backwards? We're going to drop the ads in there. They'll be able to look at the drive so that they can be up on what we're going to talk about. So if they want to jump on the mic and say something, they'll have it figured out. There we go. So basically, it'll be Ryan and I. We we will have a third, at least a third. 
Should we set up four mics? I feel like we should set up four mics. No, I think three is enough. Three is, three is enough. You know, too many mics and we lose control of the situation. You guys situation. can share. Yeah. Uh, afterwards, we're already talking about after party because, you know, when the, when the thing ends at four, I guess you got to go somewhere else. Uh, we're talking about burritos for dinner just down the street at Lucha Libre. Lucha Libre. We will not have a reservation uh, for that one. So uh, it could be a little chaotic. We'll see. Yeah, but uh, if you want to come to the the live taping of our episode at Tiger Tiger, we'll be starting to record. I think around two, and then That's after plan. and then after that, we'll do like some raffles or something yeah, like so that. Like we haven't we don't have those plans all the way locked in. So we're talking about like an hour to hang, an hour to record, and then. Well, probably yeah. more than an hour to record. We'll probably bring some gear for people to like look at and touch. I don't know if we'll be able to set up amps to hear anything, but you know, maybe I'll bring by some of the guitars that we use, like the Titan, little stinker. You know, I could bring the, uh, uh, the Epiphone SL, I the, the Airline. I could, at the least, like I could bring my uh, my little Black Star amp. Yeah, and, like, yeah. People could go. We could bring the headphones. Katana, that the Katana pretty quiet, so is pretty quiet. We got some headphone options too. Yeah, I, I'll need to run it by the the restaurant to see if it's okay for us to make a little noise back there. Yeah. We'll figure it out. No promises, guys. No I'm, promises. I'm promising you no promises. The other new thing we have is <laughs> we were recording our pre app, uh, which is what the inner circle gets to listen to each week, even we though they don't. <laughs> for, yeah, some of them listen to it it's okay. there but uh while we were recording it my doorbell rang i ran to the door to see what was the matter and, oh yeah and uh it was your son on the doorstep was a brand new package sitting right there waiting for me it was a box huge, from huge package it was <laughs> huge it was just huge huge package great the package. biggest package the biggest pack the beautiful, best package. beautiful package beautiful package <laughs> Uh, and we got this beautiful package from uh, Joel Corte from Chase Bliss. It's my tonal recall returned home. I sent it before I went on vacation, and it's back, and it's got the red knob mod. Yeah. So be on the lookout on our YouTube channel. At some point, we're going to shoot out my red knob modded tonal recall against Steve's stock tonal recall that yep. he just got in a trade. And so you'll get to hear the difference. Uh, I think the difference is just going to be in the length of time. Of I delay. thought there was some other stuff, but I don't think so. But we'll it'll see. be interesting to have fun with both of those at the same time. Yeah. Anything else new, Steve? Yeah. Um, I don't remember if I talked about this. If I did, then I'm going to talk about it again. And if I didn't, then I'm going to talk about it for the first time. Those are the options. Uh, but uh, 60 Cycle Hut, the 60 Cycle Hum Fantasy Football League is in full swing right oh now. Oh my gosh, I didn't realize it had a name. Um, like, what are you talking about? <laughs> all I know is I'm pretty sure I'm getting my ass kicked. Finally. And uh, yeah, because I won the first year <laughs> and I almost won the second year. Um, but this year, uh, the league is sponsored by Matthews Effects. So is the thing this year is that you, you just decided that you're not going to cheat? Is that what? <laughs> <laughs> I decided that if I was going to get a pedal for Matthews Effects, Rick would just send me one. <laughs> That's a little presumptuous. <laughs> uh, no, no. Um, I just, I base, I think it, this was one of several leagues where. The guy who who is considered the best fantasy football player in the in fantasy football this year, uh, the best player that you can get, um, got injured the first week and will not be back until like week nine or ten of like the seventeen week season. Uh-huh. So literally, so I got him in multiple leagues. Basically, I have this guy who's supposed to be worth like. 
15 to 20 percent of my points every week uh-huh he's just gone he's just gone so uh so i'm pr- i think that i think the 60 cycle hut league is one of the ones that that's in but enough about that rick matthews matthews effects thanks so much for uh sponsoring our league uh it's super cool basically uh to have a individual sponsor this year who's setting it up um so I know the guys are pretty stoked about it. Hopefully, they've all paid up. If they haven't, guys, $20. Come on. Yeah, get in there. Um, my favorite thing about fantasy football season is I get I, every year I get this message uh, from you that says, <laughs> all these people are sending us $20? Yeah. Do you know why? <laughs> what's going on? Yeah, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> so, yeah. Matthew's Effects, 60 Cycle Hum, Fantasy Football. It's a championship combination. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. Let's get into the episode. Uh, since this is still the recording session immediately after me getting back from vacation, uh, we didn't have time to raid the Facebook group for ads. So we just had the email. And so we kind of felt like there wasn't a lot of ads in there. But we did a call for topics. And there was a lot of silly questions. So we're kind of going to do a different thing and just tackle some silly questions yeah, we mixed do, in with we, like the normal questions. We do questions. have some some good questions in here, but we're going to kind of rapid fire through some of the It's going to be a topic ones. episode. Topic. So if you listen solely for the ads, I'm sorry. If you yeah. love the topics, this is your episode. This is it. Let's get started. Yeah, this first question is This is going to be a silly one right out of the right uh, of the gate. I can't find it. Is Santa real? No, it's not that one. Uh, Come on. We all know he's very real. Uh, let's see. Okay, it's from Jason Fuzzmonger. Pineapple no. and its validity as part of other foods, particularly savors. Particular, I can't say it. Particularly. That still sounds wrong. Savory ones. Correct. Burgers, pizzas, tacos, etc. What what's your initial knee jerk reaction to this, Steve? Um, I like, oh man, how many listeners will we lose right now? I don't know. You might. It's it's important to get those hate listens. I like uh, I like pineapple pizza. You do? Yeah, I think the pineapple to the pineapple tomato combination is a winner. Um, I don't think about the pineapple plus tomato. I have a problem with pineapple plus cheese. Mm, you know what I mean? I know what your what your meaning is. <laughs> uh, I also have a trouble with uh, pineapple, uh, kind of adjacent to the pork, which sounds weird. Really? Because that pineapple pork is like a standard. I know, but it's because it's like it's a certain flavor combination. It's that bacon hammy sort of thing. I had a uh, well, had bacon, ins- I had an Canadian, incident. So. I had an incident when I was a kid, Steve, where I definitely one hundred percent threw up chunks of hot dog and uh. chunks of pineapple at the same time. So that's a personal incident that makes pineapple pizza uh, very unappealing to me. But then other things make sense like to me, like are fine because they don't have that distinct hammy flavor mm-hmm. that transfers over into the the hot dog kind of flavor, I guess. Uh, like, I'm fine with a piece of, like, grilled pineapple on a hamburger. Right. I'm fine with uh, the piece of pineapple that's incorporated with uh, Odubato, you know, with with uh, the the spit-cooked right, taco right, right. meat. But that's, like, not super pineapple-y, and you're not getting a big chunk of pineapple on it. I think I like that. And I'm fine with, like, candied pineapple that's on 
No, I guess I don't really what's do that candy, either. What's candied pineapple? Like sugared pineapple bits on like a ham. Like dehydrated. No, oh, it's no, like on a ham. Okay, stuff on a ham. I just I like guess ham. I don't actually do that. I don't actually um, eat that. I will say pineapple, like the classic Hawaiian pizza, which is uh, pineapple and Canadian bacon, which... Yeah. Why isn't it called Canadian pizza? That's a good question. It's not a Hawaiian invention at all, to my understanding. Anyway, um, I like that. Pineapple on burgers, I could kind of like take it or leave it. Not from a flavor position, but it's more of a... Like a texture thing? I, I mean, if you're going to have pineapple flavor, it's got to be... I mean, what's the minimum thickness for an effective pineapple? Like an eighth of an inch? Or what quarter? is the minimum thickness for an effective pineapple is what Steve like wants to know. Like a quarter, quarter inch? Like, I don't have room for that nonsense on a burger. Um, I've been eating Flying Dutchman from In-N-Out the last two times I went. What's a flying Dutchman? Meat, double cheese, meat. Oh, weird. No bun. How do you hold it? Is it in the paper? Well, they give you a fork and a knife, but uh, oh, okay. But I just hold the meat. Oh man! So That's something about having that meat in my hands, Ryan. Steve likes meat in his hands. He just wants to hold that double meat. Yeah, you hold that double meat, and then you put it in your mouth. It's delicious. Are you a fan of alpine skiing? I'm not, I've never tried skiing. I'm doing a hand gesture and now Steve is laughing. Um, <laughs> it was I, I it was like, an offensive and crude hand gesture. I feel like pineapple is something that like I could probably just put on freaking like most thing. Yeah, it's sweet and it's acidic. Um I think the argument against it being on pizza is that it's, it's just unnatural. Well, pizza is not natural. It's 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 pizza is natural. It's right? very far away from being an Italian agree- ingredient. Sure, sure. It's not even. A, I don't think the argument of like pineapple shouldn't be near savory is an effective argument because pineapple belongs with a lot of pork sort of stuff like Kahlua pork, you yeah. know, like ham and whatnot. It just belongs with it. It works well with meats. Still, I think my biggest issue is probably it. In proximity to dairy, I have like I'm very specific about dairy and like combining an acid flavor right with cheese, like a fruity acid flavor. Mm-hmm. I think just fruit in general. I don't do fruit on pizzas. I think that's really the pineapple, and it, it, with that, I think pineapple is the only accepted fruit. Some dingus is going to be like, well, technically, tomato and bell peppers are fruits. Uh, the bell peppers hey. are squarely a vegetable. Hey, hey. Go kill yourself. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah, just suicide. That's the that's the real answer. <laughs> um, but 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 really, um, no. I, I'm pretty sure bell pepper. Like I'm pretty sure peppers. Guys, are technically suicide fruit. isn't funny. I'm sorry, you laughed at that. I'm pretty sure bell peppers are technically fruit. Probably, but you know, we, we, when you put bell pepper in a salad, that's not a fruit salad. Yeah, when you put tomato in a salad, it's not a fruit salad. Exactly. Like it's, it's it's we're not talking about technicalities here. We're talking about accepted well, well, you see, Ryan, cultural flavors. You see, Ryan, a fruit is defined by. Yeah, who cares? All right. Um, I don't know. I like pineapple. I like pizza. The I one say, that's the one that's interesting to me is is Jason says tacos. I've never had pineapple in a taco, and now I want pineapple in a taco. You know what I have had in a taco is mango, and I doubted it, and then I had it. And then I loved it. I don't like mango salsa. I don't love it, but I get it. I don't like it. I don't like salsas that go sweet and fruity like that. Mm. My cousin 
is big into dropping the big chunk of sour cream into the middle of a bowl of salsa. Have you ever seen that? No. That crosses the line for me That for that cheese plus acid thing. Like, I can't hang with that. I just want my salsa to be... Like, that just seems like a, an excuse to, like, not put the hottest thing you can in your mouth. Yeah, I guess. Like, I, I've never tried it, and I don't want to. It seems really unappetizing to me. I feel but like I've, you, watched him, I've watched him ruin bowls of salsa with it. Like, like if oh, mi- this salsa doesn't have cream cheese in it. Let me, help, let me fix this. What are you doing? <laughs> I feel like if you mix it in, I mean... It, I, no, I that's know. not the thing. Is He leaves a block in the middle, and you, you dunk your chip into the sour cream, and then you dunk that into the salsa. I feel like yeah. if you want to do that, just leave the sour cream on the side, right? Right, yeah. I, I, I don't Not sour that. cream. I mean cream cheese. Cream cheese, whatever. Did I say sour cream this whole time? You said sour cream the first time, and then you switched to cream cheese? No, it's, and then it's, I was it's definitely cream cheese. Like the stuff you put on, uh, you mix it into a frosting, and, and, and you make cheesecake out of it, right? Or you know, put it on bagels. That is what you do with cream cheese. You, make, you put it on bagels. He puts it in salsa. Cream cheese. I think we should talk about something serious. Yeah, let's move on to the next actual topic. All right, so this topic was posted in my uh, call for topics post on the Facebook group by John By. Have we ever had any interactions with him before? I Is this a new guy? don't think so. Welcome to the group, John By. Sorry if, I, uh, if you've been around forever and I just don't recognize your name. Um, so he asked, does it matter where a guitar is made anymore? I think this is a great question. Yeah, this and is we, a I think we've tackled similar question. concepts before, but it's, it's nice to update it and get back into it again. Yeah. I feel like the world has changed since last we ta- tackled this, maybe. When was the last time we tackled this? Probably the first you know? year of the show. Four Probably. years ago? Three years ago? Three and a half Some, years ago? Something like that. Three and three quarters well, years ago? Well, you see, Ryan, if you take the number of episodes that we make, <laughs> divided by 52... Multiply by the algorithm. <laughs> the algorithm? You can't just say the algorithm. The uh, no sounds um, smart, Steve. I mean, uh, you are smart, but you don't pretend to sound smart. <laughs> uh, so this is a great question because uh, typically in American guitar culture, and I guess global guitar culture, for the longest time, it's been like American-made instruments, American-made guitars. Those are the good ones. Those are the ones you yeah. pay money for. But I feel like things have really changed over the last couple of years. I think, you know, for a long time. <laughs> yes. That was such a strange opening line. It felt too political. For a um, long time. We always talk about, you know, everything is about diminishing returns. Sure. So, you know, you, what the difference between a hundred dollar guitar and a four, say $400 or, $600 or whatever guitar is going to be a lot more than the difference between a $600 guitar and a $1,000 guitar. Yes. Even though, you know, you have a, a the difference between differential. Yeah, the difference between a $200 guitar and a $800 guitar is going to be widely more vast than the difference between even a $1,000 guitar and a $6,000 right. $6, guitar. Like, and and, and in crazy. turn, you know... Um, and this isn't intended as a dig at anybody. No. Somebody commented on um, one of our one of our listeners commented on our in regards to our sponsor spot for Equits guitars, okay. uh, where I think it was me who said that oh these guitars start at just twenty one hundred dollars, and they were like just twenty one hundred dollars like that's a lot of money, and I agree. 
Um, and, and you know, that, that's, that's a lot of money for me, but if you're looking for like guitars in that price point, like, I mean, Gibson Les Paul standard is a, another thousand dollars more than that. Yeah. And, and it's not made by one guy. Yeah. So, so that is that trade off is, is there is something where as you move up like the chain of price, like you, what you're what you're really paying for is access to the person who's building it. Sure. You're no longer paying for like the quality of build. And I don't that sounds like like I I already know how that could be interpreted as like a dig saying like, oh, you don't think like this guitar is really worth that much money. Well you hit the top of quality, you're at the top of quality. It's yeah, like it's some, hard to move past that point. Exactly, now. exactly. At some point you're talking about like you're talking about whether or not a specific builder hits your personal preference in a way that another builder wouldn't. Exactly. You know, um, so most of these custom builders, pretty much every guitar custom, no, almost every custom guitar builder that I know is based in the United States. So, so it's still fairly easy to say like, oh, U.S. guitars are like the best ones because all of your very high end, even if you start including like the big guys, your Fender, your Gibson, your Martin, like, well, for the, for the sake of, of not going down that rabbit trail, let's limit this topic to factory guitars. Well, that's, I was going to do that eventually. Yeah. Right. Steve. (laughs) Okay. I knew you were getting there, but I wanted to, I wanted to get there faster. All right. So, (laughs) um, so, I think really the biggest uh, points or the biggest like angles for this is um, like PRS SE Reverend guitars. Uh huh. Maybe the newer Yamaha, like the Revstar series. Um, what about guitar? Like we're talking about points G- of interest G- for this topic. GNL Tribute series. What about well, Dusenbergs? No, Dusenberg. Well. <laughs> That might be a little complicated. It's a little but sure, complicated. But sure. Yeah. Like these are all brands that at least part of their process, if not all of their process, is done overseas. Now, in the case of Reverend uh, Dusenberg, I believe PRS, though I'm not 100% sure, um, these are all built in, in Korea. Uh huh. Um, but I mean, my Hallmark is made in Korea. Really? That's nearly a thousand dollar guitar. It's a Korean guitar. I actually thought that guitar was Japanese for some reason. No, it's not. Uh, also, companies like um, shoot, I can't remember them now. You know, Eastwood Airline. They have their stuff made overseas. Yeah, some of them are made in China. Uh, uh, some of them are made in Korea. I believe. What's the company that makes a bunch of left-handed guitars? Oh, Pure Salem. Pure Salem. They make all their stuff overseas. Yeah. Uh, really, the the gist I've gotten to talking to these companies that that do this stuff, even the ones that do are doing smaller runs like Hallmark and Pure Salem. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not about where it's made; it's the level of quality that you pay to have them made overseas. Right. It's all about quality control. Like the the, I think overseas have, has gotten a bad name for a long time because. The simple fact of it was that the big companies like Fender and Gibson, you know, Yamaha, you know, whatever, the bigger companies were devoting their higher quality control to their instruments that were being made in the U.S. I Mm -hmm. realized just now I said Yamaha, and I don't think they have a U.S. factory. (laughs) Um, But the reality is that you get what you pay for. And if you order guitars 
you say you're a company and you order guitars to be made for you in Korea or China or Japan or anywhere, and you pay for them to be made at a certain quality spec, mm-hmm. that's just what you get. You get that quality spec. Right. It doesn't matter if you order that from a U.S. factory or if you order it from a Korean factory or a Mexican factory or whatever. You're ordering the same quality spec, and you put that product out at that quality spec. Yeah. So so I think for companies that are mindful of that, that's true. And there are a few other companies. Um, there's a, gu- a guitar brand that I've seen advertised on Facebook. I've seen them pop up locally on Craigslist um, called Hard Luck Kings. Have you seen these guitars? Yeah, sounds familiar. Um, and I think they're one of these shops where like, they basically spec out a bunch of work to China, get the guitars pretty cheap, they're shipped to the U.S., um, and then they may, might go some kind of final inspection process here. Uh, as far as I've been able to figure out, and by all means, correct me if, if I'm wrong, if you know or if any of our listeners know, uh, but there's a company called Sublime Guitar Company. Um, I don't, I've never heard of them. That uh, is also like get, gaining some traction in terms of popularity. Um, but, but as far as their uh, manufacturing process and everything goes, the only way I can imagine they're hitting their price points is by everything being import one. And then they, again, they just do their, their, I don't even know if they're doing like hardcore, like fit and finish quality controls type work. Like some companies, they have their necks and bodies built overseas and right. then everything's assembled here. Um, other companies do all the assembly overseas and then they're just like, basically all the person on the state side is doing is like making sure everything is actually the right measurements and that the strings are, you know, properly tuned or whatever. Reverend's big trick for years is because all all their stuff is made overseas and everyone who gets Reverend just loves it to death. They have like super high customer satisfaction. Their big trick is when stuff shows up, they pull every box open, they get every guitar out and they do a complete setup in the U.S. or wherever they are. They're U.S., right? They're not Canadian. Yeah, Reverend is is a U.S. So they do a complete setup and make their guitars just play exactly how they're supposed to play, and that leads to like high customer satisfaction. Yeah. Like I was saying, yeah. I mean, there's a there's a long list. So I, you know, all this being said, I will say, doesn't matter where your guitar is made. That's what I wrote down on my paper. the The answer is sort of it's sort, sort of, both. of sort of both. Yeah. Um, as far as playability and as far as quality goes, no, it doesn't. Yeah, I would say yes. So, so somebody, uh, I saw someone on a group that found a, you know, there's all these, you go on Alibaba, you go on sure. D- DH Express, or not DH Express, Alibaba, you go on uh, DH Gate, you see all of these uh, companies that are making knockoffs like counterfeit guitars basically, right? Right. But you can find other people who are builders, I guess, of sorts that use similar factories but are actually branding the guitars as their own. Right. Sometimes those those people are based in that country, so you have communication issues. They're, they may or may not be actual guitar players, so maybe – the uh, the quality of the instrument isn't you know it's not going to go through the hands of somebody who can really say 
right. that, that something's good. So, so I, so, you know, I, I, what I'm trying to get at is I guess like, I guess you could say this for even us made, like, yeah, not all guitars are the same. Like you still have to be a little bit wary. So like buying a reverend import from Korea might be a little different than buying a, buying from a less reputable dealer and not less reputable in the sense of like, Oh, you're buying from someone sketchy with a history of being sketchy, but more in the sense of you're buying from someone that just doesn't have like the body of work that like a company like Reverend might have. Well, I think that to get to the spirit of the question, the, the thing that matters isn't for, for quality and for playability. The thing that matters isn't where it's made. The thing that matters is how it's made. Right. And how it's handled as a product. Right. Uh, like I said, you can order American spec quality builds from you know, factories all over the world now. Right. I'm sure there's there's places in the world where you just can't get things made to that yeah. spec. So in that way, yeah, in an abstract way, like if you find some tiny country in Africa that doesn't have a workforce prepared to make guitars, you're not going to get good good guitars out of there. But Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if where a guitar is being made, if it's being made to the exact same specs Mm -hmm. in America versus Korea versus China or wherever. And in that sense, it's all about like, are the people who are building these things trained to the level that they need to be trained to hit their, their quality control yeah. points. You I know? mean, the big the big countries that produce guitars now, I think they've all proven themselves that they can make guitars at whatever spec they need to. Yeah. Uh, the 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 other side of this answer, the side that that says it does matter where it's made, is purely the resale market, and it is it comes down to consumer values and consumer ideas about quality. Like not everyone, not everyone is on that page. And you know, a lot of people still assume that an American instrument is a higher quality instrument, no matter what they just like, Oh, I wouldn't buy that guitar when I can buy this one that was made in America. Yeah. You know, my real Americans like me. I think the, the second, second hand market is moving slower reacting slower to changes in trends. Uh-huh. And it also um, doesn't help that, you know, imported guitars for the most part are start out cheaper. Sure. Sure. But I mean, in terms of value retention, in terms of long-term value retention, collectability, collectability. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some of that might just be because the bigger, the bigger brands, you know, that survived and became iconic are American brands for the yeah, most part. Absolutely. Uh, but you know, if you, if you had, if you managed to get your hands on a, was it Wandre? Those yeah. weird Italian guitars, like back in the day uh-huh. when they were dirt cheap, like they're worth a lot of money right now. Yeah. And you know, various, uh, vintage Japanese guitars and stuff like that. Um, like you mentioned, yeah. Italian guitars. I'd love to have an older Burns guitar, you know, British made guitar. Yeah. Uh, there are exceptions out there, but for the most part, American-made guitars carry that clout still, which allows them to carry a higher resale value and a higher intrinsic value. Yeah. So in that sense, in purely a financial, psychological, collectible sense, it still does matter. But right, the, the right. playability and the quality, it's not about where it's made, it's about how it's made. If you're buying a brand new guitar, if you're you know walking into a guitar center or Sam Ash or whatever, your local store, 
and you're looking to buy a guitar, just go play guitars. Close your eyes. Just pick a guitar at random. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't feel good, you can put it down. Break. And then like have someone like put covers over your eyes so you can't see. And then at the end of the day, the one that feels the best and sounded the best to you, you just take that to the register. You take off your blindfold after you pay. And you're like, oh my goodness. After you pay. Oh my goodness, look what I bought. I would have never oh, expected. My stars. <laughs> I would have never expected that I would buy this guitar. It's an Ibanez. I'm buying an Ibanez. I can't believe it. Oh, I <laughs> Should we jump on to the next joke topic here? Yes. It's a funny joke. Another food Dude. topic because we're bored and we don't have anything else to yep. do. Pretzels. A hot topic. Cheese or mustard? See, I don't think cheese or mustard is the real question here. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, I'm, I'm assuming if you're talking about cheese versus mustard, you're talking about fresh pretzels. Mm-hmm. Hot, hot, big pretzels. Hot, hot, big, fresh pretzels. The kind you get at a fancy shop, like, say, a Rough Draft Brewing in San Diego, California. Do they sell fresh pretzels? They do sell fresh pretzels. dude. I mean, I I I guess it is a good question. They're probably just frozen pretzels that they reheated, but, you know. As long as it's good when you get it, man. As long as it's good. So what what do you do? Mustard or... or, um, much like the, cheese. the young lady in the, the, uh, Ortega commercial, I say porque no los dos. So mustard and cheese together. Uh, I dip in mustard and I take a bite and I take the other end. So I do not double dip and I dip that in the uh, cheese. I don't see why there's any problem with that. I like, I like to go dry. Dry pretzel. I'm a dry pretzler. You're a dry pretzel. Yeah, and I like the... You like to keep it salty. I like the salty salt on AF. there. I like that big salt. All right. But I don't like as much as they come with. I brush off like at least half the salt. Wait, so you like big salt, but not that much big salt. I like a big salty pretzel in my mouth. Have you ever uh, Have you ever been... Um, Why don't pretzels come in churro shapes? It'd be so much easier to eat. Seriously. Like a long pretzel? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's just like a dough style, right? Yeah. All right. I mean, uh, I'm sure it's just traditional. It's a German yeah. thing. And um, pretzels and a cute back, little bow. Back in this boat up a little. Have you ever driven down I-5, like around, oh, yeah. say, uh, uh, Main Street, Palomar Street in Chula Vista? Uh, Looked I can't off remember. to the west. So Chula Vista, the, the south end of San Diego Bay is like a salt mine, like yeah, a salt yeah. mine area. And they have these, but they don't, it's not a mine. They pull it off of the bay. They like, basically they have these pools on like the they bay. they evaporate it out. That they evaporate, they have these evaporation pools and they like mine like massive hills of salt down there. That's how you do it. Yeah. Do you think it's industrial salt or food salt? I don't know. I bet it's industrial. All I know is southbound on I-5, windows down, Music on my stereo. Uh huh. <laughs> and big hills of salt. And big hills of salt. <laughs> I like pre- I, you know I like pretzels in all forms. Like if I'm thirsty, then maybe I forego the mustard. If I've got a beverage with me that works, and I'm all about that brown mustard life. Brown mustard is nice. Uh, pretzel is a great. Food for See, like I feel, any sporting event. I feel event. like this question doesn't matter when you're talking fresh pretzels. 
because a fresh pretzel is just going to be good no matter what. Yeah. And, well, I mean, and I'm, cheese, gonna, cheese is going to be good no matter what. I'm not going to put my pretzel in like hot sauce. Mustard. I'm not going to put my pretzel dude, in like dude. Dunk a, pre- a fresh ranch. hot. Dunk a hot fresh pretzel in like buffalo sauce. That's going to be yummy. That's a little different. That's a creamy hot sauce. Okay. Okay. But I'm here's saying, like, here's salt, my question. Here's salsa. the here's the real way to figure this out. Cold hard pretzels. I'm talking like rolled gold bag of pretzels. Oh, you got to eat that straight. That's you don't just, dip that in anything. You wouldn't dip that in anything. I don't. Do if I? you were to dip a dry cold packaged pretzel into anything, would it be cheese? The thing that's going to warm it up and saturate it a little bit, or are you going to dip it in mustard? The first thing I would do if I had a rolled gold pretzel that I wanted to dip is I would put my hand upon its hip. <laughs> when you dip, I dip. We, we dip. dip. I see. <laughs> I actually didn't think you were going to get that no, reference. I, I'm a child of the 90s. All right. <laughs> I know you are, but I, I thought that might have been a little far. No, no. All right. I, um, I, I knew people in the 90s who would sing that song and do the dance. They'd also do the, the Humpty Dump. <laughs> um, no, I, I, for like cold pretzels, I don't dip that in anything. I just open the bag on the couch and I eat them in but they shame. Come, here's the thing. You can get in shame. You can go those cold pretzels in mustard varieties. Yeah, But that's can. way different than dipping it them is. in mustard. It's completely different. 100% different because that mustard is like a powder on those. I would, yeah. I would definitely dunk cold pretzels into hot nacho cheese until I was sick. I would do that. I just don't. I can't and imagine And I think that's it. the way to win the argument. Is that a cold pretzel will do cheese, but you wouldn't do a cold pretzel in mustard. Right, but a hot pretzel works with either. And you think it's all about the temperature of the pretzel? I think it's about the uh, the freshness. I don't even know if like the shrunk-ass rolled gold pretzel counts as a real pretzel. It's a real pretzel. It's just a different style. I guess. <laughs> all right, but fine. It's, it is fine, a, cheese. It is kind of a difference of... It's a comparison... We're like, you could equate it to, we dip French fries in ketchup. Would you ever dip a potato chip, a potato and, chip in ketchup? I guess it's different in that way. So let's move on to a guitar topic. This is stupid. <laughs> I dip my potato chips in the appropriate dips that are sold by the companies that produce aforementioned potato chips. Ruffles or Lay's, huh? Mm, rough, well, for dipping ruffles. For eating Lay's. Have you ever had the uh, the the wrinkly, the roughly Lay's chips? I forget what they Wavy Lay's. Yeah, they're not the same. Do you, th- do you think they're superior or inferior In- to Ruffles? Inferior. In- they are inferior. inferior. Ruffles win still. I think the wave is too wide. Yes. And it ends up tasting too much like a Pringle. Yeah, absolutely. Like the whole essence of Lay's is that they are original. Like they're just like somebody took a potato and chopped they're it up. They're a deli chip. Yeah. You, you uh, Lay's is like you, you put a big pile of it next to your, your sandwich. Um, Ruffles is Ruffle, like, you're going to dip that. You're going to dip Even Ruffles, it. like Ruffles do retain, like Ruffles have impurities in them. Like somebody, somebody took the, uh, the, just a wavy cut. Yes. 
and cut up a potato and then cut it and then cooked yes. it. It's and not that, like a Pringle a that's like a factory but stamped out thing. Wavy lays and their perfection makes me think of of uh, Pringles. It's a little too pasty. It's a little too much uh, of a grainy texture. It's not bad per se. Sometimes I just want to slam a can of Pringles. No, sometimes you need Pringles. Yeah, especially pizza. I don't know if I ever pizza need, flavor. I don't know if I ever need. Once Pringles. you pop, you literally cannot stop. That's why I don't pop, bro. I, I try to avoid popping. Do you even prop, pop, bro? <laughs> Let's talk about guitar stuff, please. You're, the one you're listening brought- to 60 Cycle Hum, the snack debate podcast. All right. Our um, logo is shaped like a chip. I thought it was a guitar pick. <laughs> no, that's a chip for sure. All right. Uh, Michael Newman wants to know, what do you do when you're no longer suffering from gas? Gas is, of course, gear, gear acquisition, acquisition syndrome. syndrome. Uh, it's the reason why we're all here today. It, my comment to him was, if you experience contentment for over four days, please consult a physician. I saw that. Yeah. Um, and I think that is at least semi-accurate. I mean... What's wrong with you if, if you're happy with what you have? Yeah. I mean, come on. You, the happiness comes from new things, not from retaining the things you already had. I think it's okay to like... I think, I not, think it's okay to... you know. I think not having... The desire to buy more gear means that you're just done playing guitar, right? I think sometimes the problem is that um, too many guitarists have failed to adopt the mantra, if you can't love the ones you're with, mm. if you can't love the, the ones, ones you want. want, then love the ones you're with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, think that's a, I think that's a big, I think that's a leading contributor to gas. Yes. And just because you have gas doesn't mean you have to buy anything. It's, you can just window shop, you know? But there are people out there who just don't care about buying gear. Like they buy one guitar, they buy the couple things that they need, and they're like, oh, I've got it, and I'll just play with these things until they don't work anymore. I always thought that and was I, a Rolling Stones song. Those people are sick in the head, and I don't understand them. I found out recently that it was not a Rolling Stones song. That was Crosby, Stills, Nash. Was it also Young? Was Young involved at that Did point? The, the, the Stones covered it. Did they? Yeah. Oh, so I'm not a psychopath. At least I think they covered it, unless Crosby, Stills, and Nash covered it. It's somebody... It's originally written by Stephen Stills. Okay. There's an Isley Brothers version, a Bucks Fizz version. Wait, which song are we talking about? Love the one you're with. No, no, that's not Stones at all. Okay. Okay. For some reason, I got crossed up, and I thought we were talking oh, about. Oh, sorry. Sometimes you get you for don't like you don't get time? what you want, you get what you need. Oh yeah, yeah. I uh, I thought always thought love the one you're with was I'm a still, Stone song. I'm still like recovering from vacation over here. I'm surprised we're even able to do this. That's today. What, I'm just trying to get on your level. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm having trouble keeping up, Steve. Um. Yeah. So we were so, talking about pretzels and chips. So the thing, like a minute the ago. thing with gear acquisition syndrome is that. I feel like I've been, I, I don't know if it's about the way that I grew up or what, but I've never like felt like the, a strong draw to be like, I want that. And then like, I just buy it. Right. Like literally again, like we talk well, about different I think groups. Part of, part of our gas, the way that we process our gas, Steve, is that we sit and debate the thing that we kind of want until the point where we decide not to get it or to get it. Right. And then when That's we de- once we decide to get it, then we go on like, you know, months long used market 
like journey to try to find it for the exact yeah. price we're willing to pay. Why do I not have a Miku yet? What's a Miku? The Korg Miku? Oh, yeah, yeah. I just, I just need to go buy it. Yeah. I need to stop talking about it. I just need to buy it. Um, but yeah, I think, I think a little bit of it is consumerism. I think a lot of, uh, I think a lot of it is whether you're a hobbyist or, well, if you're a, I would say a, I don't want to say entry level professional. If you're like a lower level professional musician, musician, you're Are we all, talking about a professional muso here? Yes, yes. A working muso? Like a working muso. Mm. Then maybe you're looking for that thing to put your like sound over the edge that will get record labels to notice you. Um, the answer is Klon Centaur. Everybody knows. Yeah. You got to stack them if you want them to sound good. Yeah. Uh, but then you're $4,000 in debt. Good luck digging out of that. Yeah. Um, but, I, but I think that is like a thing. Is like, it's like, you know, we... we chase this tone dragon and it is addicting and it's a lot of fun. And some people, you know, it, it becomes that, it becomes that collector's thing where, you know, some people want to, they buy a boat for $500 and then they dump like thousands of dollars of boat into it. Or, you know, they, they buy a, a abandoned 1968 Ford Mustang and they dump, you know, thousands of dollars of Ford Mustang parts into it just to get it out of the driveway. <laughs> they still haven't refinished it. It's still rusted as hell. Yeah. But at least it runs a third of the time. Um, you know, we all kind of have this a little bit in some facet of our lives sometimes. There's a big hobby element yeah. to guitar. Absolutely. Is what you're getting at. Yeah. And the the trying everything is a big part of the hobby element. Like, well, oh, I, think, I don't, I don't have that. I want to try that, you know? And, and, uh, and going on with that, try that idea is, you know, you've got two fuzzes and you say, well, fuzz two is better than fuzz one. So you buy fuzz three because fuzz three, if fuzz three is better than fuzz two, then it's definitely better than fuzz one. But you want to own two fuzzes, you know, just you in need case. a backup. And if fuzz three isn't better than fuzz two, then you still have to have fuzz one around so you can compare those two because you can't yeah. be sure that fuzz three is better than fuzz and one. And then by the time you get to fuzz five or six, you realize that all the fuzzes are good, but they're just different. And yeah. You need you need yeah. a, a different fuzz for different applications, and you can't sell some of your fuzzes because like a buddy made them, or you used one in your band, and you might have to like do that band again, or you used one in a certain song. It's like, and then you're on to like your eleventh or twelfth fuzz. Yeah, man. I need a. I need. A, I better go buy a wah soon, just yeah. for just in case that morning glass reunion ever and, happens. And then like, and then like a a version. Two comes out of one of your fuzzes that has like, like someone like a boutique builder made a version of it, and it's just got this little tweak in it that makes it a little bit different, maybe better. And you have to explore like how much better that fuzz could be. And version two might technically be better than version one, but version one is what you recorded that song with that at least six people at the bar clapped for. Yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> so what we're saying here is if you run out of gas and you don't have gas anymore, it probably means that you're a healthy adult who doesn't have a silly, ridiculous addiction to tiny boxes that you step on you're, and no one can even hear them. means you're a better person than we are. Exactly. You're probably making good decisions with your life. You probably have a retirement fund set up. You got a nest egg. My nest egg is shelves of petals strewn around my house. Just sell your house. With the petals? (laughs) House for sale. Petals included. (laughs) I like that idea. Some people remodel their kitchens and their bathrooms before they sell a house. If I ever sell mine, I'm just going to be like, hey, look how many fuzz petals come with it. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Pitch that to the real estate agent someday. Right here, we have a lovely five-bedroom, three-and-a-half bath, and it comes with uh, 50 fuzz petals. (laughs) Gross. Fifteen of them are muff variants, and we have a few fuzz faces. This one's interesting here. This... (laughs) What should we move on? We should move on to this last question sent in by Caleb Neff. He says, quality versus mojo, which you prefer? Exclusively pitting plucky, cheapish guitars against high-end ones that people say are hard to connect with. What gives a guitar mojo? I mean, mojo is just a stand-in for personality, right? That's sure. all, so, that's so, all so we're talking about here. So he says, example, here. I have a cheap Telecaster Deluxe parts guitar that is forever my one and only. Everybody who plays it says how great it feels and sounds, and I can't believe that I only paid $340 for it. On the flip side, I have a friend who just trades high-end stuff that normally uh, just feel like they don't even... A friend who trades high-end stuff that normally just feel like they don't even want to make music. They're well-made things rather than instruments made for being expressive. Um, I mean, this is so subjective. Sure. Uh, this goes back to, and I know I've mentioned it, Geez, at least 190 times on this show before. <laughs> um, a few years ago, I went to Guitar Center and pulled like four or five different Telecasters out off the wall. And the one that I felt like was the, the guitar that I could write a song with was a classic Squire Classic Vibe. Yeah. And everything else was like, I mean, it wasn't bad, but the one that was like, that felt like the one was this, you know, 350. whatever Squire. Um, So I think there is something that, that being said, like a lot of people spend a lot of money trying to chase somebody else's mojo. Sure. You know, uh, you find out that Jack White played uh, Montgomery Ward's airline, whatever. Uh, What was that? Uh, what was the actual model? I don't. Do you remember? No, I don't. There's a Hutto. I think it was JB Hutto, uh, Montgomery Ward's model. That was like the the Seven Nation Army guitar. I think. Right, right. Um, and so the prices on those things skyrocketed. Yeah, and it was just people trying to chase something that Jack White had found. In one or two or three particular ones, I, I thought it was really interesting that when uh, you saw him playing with like the Dead Weather a few years later, he was playing like, granted, modified to his specs, but he was playing like modded Gretches. Yeah, like he wasn't playing weird guitars anymore. He was playing Gretches, 
Well, you pl- you use the guitar that fits the project you're working on. Sure, you know? sure. So, I mean, along those lines, like, yeah, you can chase mojo, but you might spend a lot of money chasing that. You might, you know, that's been the criticism for a long time of Paul Reed Smith guitars is that they are technically accurate guitars. They're the perfect new metal guitars because they have no, like, internal characteristic to them. They're right. just, like, perfectly playing bland guitars. <laughs> you make them sound so awful, Steve. Well, it's not all. No, but they're they're yeah, you know, like you said, they're they're technically high quality, very you know, spec oriented guitars, right? And uh, you know, they they're not like some guitar that's just got a bunch of knots in it, and you know, like the who knows how well the the pickups were were wound to spec. They're all a little different, you know. You know, like, well, they, they don't have the an individual personality per guitar. Right, and the you know? thing is, is you know, some people are going to say like, "Well, that's what I want. Like, I want a yeah. perfect guitar. If I'm going to spend money, like, I want to get the best thing I can get." And some people are just looking for a quirk, and they're going to say like, "Oh, those knots. Like, yeah, something. Uh, knot three over here is a uh, quarter inch uh, hard, <laughs> hardwood knot." Excuse me. That uh, shifts the uh, the resonance peak of the body down. <laughs> right. Could you imagine three percent at two point five k? If guitar builders were trying to reproduce certain knot placement and uh, perfect and dimensions and placement and perfect for the neoclassical prog metal <laughs> country band I mean, that I've think, been thinking about starting. I think to a certain extent the personality and the mojo is in the player, but. To a, to a counter argument, it's kind of like people who end up, you know, adopting pets that look like them. You're right. trying to find a guitar that matches your personality, and if your personality is that you're, you know, a highly like technical, like proficient, like you know, on the money player, and you know, maybe in a, you know an Ibanez shreddy guitar. Where you know every fret is is perfectly in line and never buzzes out all the way up to the twenty fourth fret, mm-hmm. and the action's super fast. Like maybe that fits your personality and that is your mojo. Yeah. But if you're a player that kind of wants to fight your guitar and you're more about you know like capturing you know single notes that that bend out in a certain way or. You know that may that you want a guitar that makes you feel a certain way while you're playing it. Then you get a guitar that's totally different. Yeah, no, I, I think that I think that's really the core of it. Is is for some people like fighting like fighting a, a guitar is like a little bit of a challenge. Sure, and it's part of what makes things interesting, and it's part of what uh, so. To, to, to throw throw this out, somebody a few weeks ago, this was actually a few months months ago, I was playing my Telecaster. I don't care if it was years ago, Steve. I want to hear yeah, about it. I was playing my Telecaster at church, and somebody comes up and goes, goes that buzz in the system, it's your guitar. I'm like, yeah, it's a single coil pickup. <laughs> uh, the problem isn't me. The problem is you guys need to replace all the fluorescent lights in this building. <laughs> and... And I mean, you know, to an extent, yeah, I, for what it's worth, like most of the time I ride the... Lately, I've been riding the humbucker on that guitar just because of noise. But you know, when we were doing uh, when we were doing the morning glass, once I had that guitar put together, like 
looking back, I've tried like a few different guitars with that band and I can't really imagine going full time in that band with anything other than that red Telecaster. Sure. There's something about it that is like, that's the guitar for the music that I want to make. And, and for a while I was using this, uh, I had a Squire, uh, deluxe or sorry, Squire custom Two uh, Telecaster, which was the, the dual P90 model. Uh huh. And it just like as much as I wanted to like that guitar, it just wasn't. It didn't fit. It didn't fit, and I would always find myself being like, "I want to." I would bring that guitar as the backup for my red guitar, and that red guitar, like, I don't really know playability wise. It's kind of weird. It's got like jumbo frets, yeah. But then like the the action, I've got it set as fast as I can. It's just kind of weird. It's definitely not like as easy playing as like that PRS that we got to demo. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, and I really loved playing that thing. But there's just certain like something about like with that band where I was like, I need a guitar I can smash on. I need a guitar that I know like I can smash on reliably that I'm not worried about. That is no matter how bad I as a person play, it's still going to make the tones that I want. Like Mm -hmm. that was the guitar. So I think sometimes like that is really the the answer like to the whole mojo versus quality debate is sometimes you find a very high quality guitar that also like you feel comfortable just like you know like this guitar is never going to let you down. Yeah. And sometimes that's a cheap guitar, you know. Yeah. I don't think mojo and quality are, you know, mutually exclusive or inexclusive or however you want to say it. There's there's some very high quality guitars out there that are just dripping in mojo. Right. No, and there's some very what, exactly low quality, low cost guitars that have almost no personality at all. Yeah. Yeah. Like ever all these stupid first act guitars you keep bringing home. <laughs> no, like that the the Dean Custom Zone. Uh-huh. Even though I, you know, did like a whole finish thing on it and put in a kill switch and all that. At its core, it's a really low personality, like wannabe right. shredder guitar yeah. that plays very sterile. But the 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 way I play it, when I play it, like puts personality into it. Sure. But someone could sit down I and play like the gu- most like clean and sterile, like neoclassical riff on it. I and think be any guitar you play with the trem is yeah. gonna like have a lot of your personality in it. Yeah. I think the hardtail guitars that you have owned, like kind of I think you fought with a little more. Sure. To like get, get my personality. Yeah. Yeah. I I could see that. Well, in in the, with the exception of the duosonic, where the strings are so loose, it might as well have a trim on it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's fair. Yeah. I get that. No, but then like the Titan, I feel like the Titan has a lot of personality. Yeah. But it's like a really snappy kind of, but, but like, I'd say that the Titan is the most technically well-playing guitar that I own that also still has like its own mojo. Sure. Like it's its own thing. Like if you, if you, if I closed my eyes and someone put it in my hands, I'd be like, Oh, this is the Titan. This mm-hmm. is like, it's got that sound. It's got that feel. Well, I think that's part of that. That I feel like I play different with it. That other side of the discussion of like, you know, mojo versus, you know, I talk about the Telecaster, actually the guitar, of the various guitars that we've played, I think actually the the guitar, if we ever did a, like a Morning Glass reboot, which we're never going to do because that band that just kind of stalled wanna, out. I don't want to sing anymore. Um, 
I'm still open to doing a YFB reunion oh, God. where I just do all the vocals. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um anyway, uh <laughs> You've never mentioned that to me before. I hate, I never added I that hate part. the idea. I never added that part. I don't even want to I don't um, even want to do that. So um by I think actually the little sinker would would have is the one guitar I've played. That one's got that a lot would of personality be a too. Better morning glass guitar than ah. the one that I own. I think when we when we think of low personality guitars or or you know like the opposite of a mojo guitar, we are thinking of the PRSs of the world. We're thinking of the sure. Ibanezes of the world. Um, we're thinking, uh, you know, like you could put Carvin in that list. Like mm-hmm. these, like technically well put together guitars that just for whatever reason they're more like a scalpel than a you know like a big kitchen knife or something like that. You sure, know? like they're precision and they feel like they're precision. It feels like there's not. Of any variance going on there, like I, I feel like with those style of guitars that for whatever reason fit in that category, which is just completely made up in our heads, mm-hmm. is that in your in your head you imagine like oh you take that guitar out of a you know a player's hands and you put the other guitar in there and it's just going to sound the same and it's just going to be it's just a technical instrument, you know, like if you take a take away uh, Steve Vai's gem mm-hmm. and you give him a different Ibanez, right. it's going to be really close. You give him a 24 fret uh, PRS, it's going to be really close. You give him, you know, a Carvin, it's going to be really close, you know? Well, according to YouTube, if you give uh, Joe Satriani a Squire. <laughs> yeah, he can still play a song um, until he gets to the part that needs uh, uh, him to pull on the tremolo. Right, yeah. right. Well, then that squire just needs to be set up as floating. <laughs> um, jokes aside, I mean, you know, I think there is something to that. And, and at the same time, like, you know, it sounds like we're digging on PRS or Ibanez or no. whatever. But, but you know, you you and I, we worked a do-it-yourself venue for, what, two years, three years, something, four years? I don't three know. years, I, don't I think. Know how long that was. And we saw all kinds of bands come through with all kinds of equipment people were do making the music that they wanted to make with stuff that I looked at and be like, I'd never use that. Yeah. Of course, I, for what it's worth, I also saw lots of bands come through or be like, Y'all, you shouldn't use that. You really shouldn't be using that. <laughs> I mean, I consider that hammer that I had a low personality guitar, right? But when I played it, I would put my personality into it. And I think it, well, what was, what's your thought on, you used to have that hammer echo tone that you yeah. still would you call that a low personality guitar? No. I mean, there's something about a, a semi-hollow body guitar that that brings a certain amount of fight into it. You know, mm-hmm. you're you're spending more energy to charge it up with right. with resonance. Because it's just because it's bigger too. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's really so subjective, and it's just these ideas that we have about guitars and you know the the celebrity guitars that have that have played them and the types of music that they used to play them when, I mean, I, it just really doesn't matter. I don't think it's, it's just such a, um, it's a construct, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense to me. All right. Let's wrap this up. Yeah. Uh, thanks again to Sinusoid. Uh, we're just going to keep promoting the Sinusoid Houston cable until yeah. they tell us to stop. 
it looks really cool. Uh, it will help rebuild Houston. Yeah. Which is an area within Texas, I believe. Yes. Yes. Houston is a city in Texas. Yes. I'm vaguely familiar with it. But yeah, uh, like I said earlier, you get this cable. If you ever tour through Texas, people are going to see you on stage and they're going to know. They're going to know that you helped them out. Or they won't, but in either way, you know, it's a good cause. Um, check them out, sinusoid.com. They make cables. And smiles. This week's song was sent to us by Gino Ames. Uh, he says, hey, CC Cycle Hum, here's a submission for the end song. I wrote, sang, and played all the guitars and bass. Drums are obviously a loop. I used an Ibanez RG with EMG pickups into a box jam box simulator. Really enjoyed the show. Thanks, Gino. Let's see um, if uh, his guitar tone has any mojo in it. Yeah, uh, I will say um, this. After this song, we only have one more in our uh, queue. I guess queue for songs. So if you want to have your song played at the end of the show, send it to us at sixty cycle humcast at gmail.com. Or if you have any other questions or anything else about the show, hit us up. Look for us on Facebook. We have a group. We have a group called the Junkyard. That is um, like a, a buy sell trade group. Yep, we have a group called Praise and Worship, which we don't do anything in. We like, only open it up once a year. It is shut down currently, but people still join. Um, or just hit us up via email. Again, uh, we also have a group called the Inner Circle that you don't know about. And if you want to, too bad. Okay, bye, <laughs> bye. <laughs>
are we all just running away? Here tomorrow and gone yesterday. Are you all just running away? Pick up the pieces and find a new way, find a way. Small town and gay. 